When I was in first grade, I had the ambitious dream of being a paleo marine biologist. Or in my own childish words, a paleontologist and whale watcher. Big words and big dreams for a six-year-old. The following year, in 1993, Jurassic Park roared onto the big screen. The movie changed my life as a child, and honestly, it continues to. Dr. Grant, my dear Dr. Sutton, welcome to Jurassic Park. Jurassic Park is still my favorite movie of all time, and has led me to be really interested in dinosaurs, despite never becoming a paleomarine biologist. But as a journalist, I do get to explore intriguing questions like what the Valley of the Sun looked like 65 million years ago. Now, nearly 30 years later, Jurassic World Dominion is stomping onto screens everywhere. And I couldn't be more excited. I wanted to show them something that wasn't an illusion. Something that was real. Something that we could see and touch. Creation. Welcome to Valley 101. I'm producer Kaylee Monahan. Join me as I brush back the layers of history to find out what dinosaurs roamed prehistoric Phoenix. So what did our region look like 65 million years ago? What sorts of dinosaurs dominated our landscape? For answers, I turn to two local paleontologists. First, let me introduce you to Tanya Pencrot. Right now, I'm a lecturer in the College of Integrative Sciences and Arts at Arizona State University downtown Phoenix campus. Like many kids, she fell in love with dinosaurs at a young age. She's just one of the few to actually become a paleontologist. My origin actually goes back to Pittsburgh. That's where I grew up. And、um, I had the fortunate、uh, luck, I guess you'd say, of having the Carnegie Museum of Natural History right there in the city. So I grew up with that fantastic resource. I always loved paleontology. And so when I got to college, I went to the University of Pittsburgh. I thought, well, You know what? I, I'm going to look into this because it's something that I'm very interested in. I have to admit, I was inspired somewhat by the original Jurassic Park movie, as a lot of kids at the time were. <laughs> same, Tanya. Same. So I decided, okay, I'm going to look into this. And 
one thing led to another. I got in touch with one of the paleontologists at the Carnegie Museum of Natural History and went on my first field expedition in 1999. I decided to follow that into graduate school. I went to the Johns Hopkins University School of Medicine in Baltimore for vertebrate paleontology. And I am, by training, a mammal paleontologist. Even so, Tanya was able to answer the question we came with. The simple fact is that we haven't had a good preservational environment here at the right time for there to be the sort of dinosaurs that you see in Jurassic Park or Jurassic World with a few notable exceptions. Ugh, crushed. So what we have here is largely the result of the arid conditions that have developed over the Cenozoic, which is the time period that we're in right now, the so-called age of mammals. But there are other factors as well. Most people don't always think about this, but Arizona actually has a pretty significant volcanic history. I mean, we have Sunset Crater not too far away, up north, near Flagstaff. And volcanic sediments tend to cover over earlier things. So that's one potential issue there. Another is over the course of when the dinosaurs would have been around the Mesozoic, there were several incursions by low, shallow seas into the area broadly where Arizona is now. and that deposits some things, but it also helps to erode some earlier sediments away as well. Let's do a very abbreviated overview of Arizona's prehistory. When did dinosaurs first appear? It starts with the Triassic period. That's when dinosaurs first appear. That's when they start to get their foothold in land. After that, we have the Jurassic, when most of the major groups begin to diversify. Later on, we have the Cretaceous. And realistically, that's the closest to what you would see in things like Jurassic Park and Jurassic World. When the original movie came out, I saw the paleontologist barb that really should be Cretaceous Park because of the animals that they have, but it doesn't sound quite as catchy. So dinosaurs like Tyrannosaurus rex, Triceratops, and Velociraptors were all actually from the Cretaceous period. And it's from the Cretaceous where you get that catchphrase, 65 million years ago, dinosaurs ruled the earth. What we lay folk would recognize as dinosaurs lived during the Mesozoic era. It lasted for 186 million years and includes the recognizable Triassic, Jurassic, and Cretaceous periods. Now, it's easy to gloss over just how many years are between one span of time and another. But keep in mind that millions of years pass between each of these periods. Triassic Arizona was part of the supercontinent Pangaea. 
The Earth also just came out of a mass extinction, where nearly 95% of all marine life and close to 70% of terrestrial species died out. Much of the supercontinent was an arid wasteland for many centuries. But it wasn't all dry. In fact, in the late Triassic period, about 225 million years ago, it was much more humid and even subtropical. Maybe you've been to the petrified forest in northern Arizona? That was alive during this time. And this is when the earliest dinosaurs began to evolve around the world. Most of these early dinosaurs were small. It'd be several million years before the giant animals we come to associate as dinosaurs evolved. In Triassic, Arizona, you could find Coelophysis, a thin, carnivorous dinosaur that moved around on two legs. It could grow to more than nine feet in length and is one of the earliest dinosaurs to be discovered. Fossils of this creature have been found in the Chinle Formation in the northeastern part of the state. And while not an actual dinosaur, the bizarre Tanistrophius, or long-hinged reptile, also scurried around in this time period. And it too could grow up to longer than nine feet. Walking around on all fours, you could identify it by its incredibly long neck. Jumping ahead to the popularized Jurassic period, Arizona's topography and environment changed drastically. A lot of what would become Arizona dried out. Some areas were even covered in sand dunes. Volcanoes dominated various parts of the state. You can see the remnants of these Jurassic volcanoes in places like the Huachuca and Santa Rita Mountains. In addition to these active volcanoes were numerous earthquakes. Enormous tectonic forces moved the continents all throughout the Mesozoic era. In Arizona, land could just as easily be pushed up as pulled apart. In fact, in some parts of the state where the elevation changes sharply are remnants of where the land was rent apart by these titanic forces. But it wasn't all fire and brimstone. If you had to picture something today that would be comparable, probably you want to look at something maybe along the Gulf of Mexico coast of the U.S. You'd have low wetland areas, you'd have a number of trees, but even the trees themselves would be a bit different. For example, not until later in the Jurassic and getting into the Cretaceous, we don't even see flowers on plants. So we would have had a lot of gymnosperms. Pine tree-like plants. Palm-type things, lycopod-type things. And those would have been the primary sorts of trees that you would have seen. And what are lycopods, you ask? If you can imagine a cross between a standard palm tree, and maybe something more like a pine tree. That's kind of what it would look like. We don't really have too many living equivalents today. 
One thing that would be similar, uh, a lot of people in the Phoenix area in their yards have cycad ferns, the little sago palms. If you can imagine one of those actually being tree-sized, that's more like the sort of trees that we would have seen at that time. I'm certain all the Ellie Sadlers out there dig the prehistoric plant biology, but I'm also sure you're with me on wanting to hear more about Arizona's dinosaurs. But first, I'm going to go gear up for an excavation while we take a short break. Hey there, this is producer Amanda Liberto. Did you know there's an easy way to stay on top of all of our podcasts plus news from across the state? Just download the free AZ Central app. Find it in your app store and in Google Play. Now back to the story. Heading north into the high desert, I met up with another local paleontologist and his field truck. Uh, All of the dinosaur time is missing. It's basically buried under thousands of feet of sediment. This is Gavin McCullough, a lab manager at the Arizona Museum of Natural History in Mesa. I mean, it's a cool geologic story in the Phoenix area because we've got super, super old stuff that's more than a billion years old Mm -hmm. and that records just amazing, violent continental building and and islands smashing into the the prehistoric coastline. Um, And then we've got way more recent stuff that's only like 20 million years old, but all the stuff in between, friggin' gone. I met Gavin near Black Canyon City. And hopping into the truck, we headed out into the rough terrain. First thing we're gonna do is go right here into okay. this thing, this little amphitheater, Perfect. which is actually where the um, most, I don't wanna say important, where the most recently discovered semi-complete critter was from. And I'm just gonna go to that area and we're gonna scratch around and see if we All can right. find let's, any more little bone bits. Let's I do might it. give you a Ziploc bag. Or you're probably gonna be holding a bunch Armed of with the tools of our trades, plenty of water and hats, we made for the promising dig site. I'm also happy to do a little scratching in the dirt. All right. I mean, like most children, my dream was to be a paleontologist. Oh, really? I still think it's really cool. You can still do it. That's what I'm saying. It was nearly 80 degrees at 10 in the morning, but a strong breeze kept it tolerable. The drive wasn't long, but it wasn't easy either. The road, if you could call it that, was more of a suggestion and we bounced down the track towards some low mesas. The landscape was dry and dusty and looked for all the world like anywhere else in the Sonoran Desert. Really, nothing special. Scrubby plants and cacti growing wild snagged at our shoes and clothes. But soon enough, the hard rock gave way to a finer dust. I stopped here real quick because there actually are dinosaur traces here. Oh, how can you tell? Because they're bird footprint tracks and because birds are dinosaurs. Okay, it's a cop out, but it's true. Um, And so every time I see bird footprints, it's kind of fun. And actually there is fossil material here. It's just, I think, plant. See this white 
thing. Yeah. And you'll start to see, the, I mean, once you see them, you'll see them all over the place. Like maybe this yeah. little bit here. I picked up a white chalk looking rock with grooves on it. So what we suspect they are, are kind of a, maybe, we've been calling them root casts, uh -huh. but I don't really know if that's really what they are. To me, I think they're definitely wood, especially if you see some of them that kind of almost look like they have knots and kind of little branchy bits. Sure. You'll see parts of some that are kind of like grown over other ones. And some are just kind of upright in certain layers up here. Uh, we might even be able to see them in this area. And I kind of wonder if they weren't a bunch of small trees, small something that got wiped out when these huge ash layers came by. Gotcha. So all this stuff is ash. The base of it, they did find a datable ash layer and that's about 23 million. So the range is about 23 to 17 million. So 20 million years is kind of the good, you know, roundabout thing. And the dates of the basalt, is kind of the top flat things that you see on the mesas around here, that's lava and that's been dated pretty well to I think about 16 million. So it kind of caps this stuff pretty well. Gotcha. As Gavin explained, the Phoenix area's record of dinosaurs is very slim to none. The record was either buried or destroyed over time with all the geological upheavals Arizona experienced. But... So we've got, you know, probably the most amazing record of the Triassic maybe in the world. And those paleontologists who work on that stuff up there, they're finding stuff all the time and describing new critters. And a lot of the animals from that time period are just stunning, weird things that maybe were part of the croc lineage. And they're finding, well, heck, that was a weird long-legged croc thing with a beak. What in the hell is going on? And uh, some of the, I mean, the earliest dinosaurs are from the Triassic, from the late Triassic period. Our location on this day wasn't known for yielding Jurassic or Triassic fossils. Instead, we hunted for mammalian fossils from the Miocene period, which is some 40 million years ago, a lot more recent than the dinosaurs. So far, the only critter that we've really identified from here is a cute little sheep-like thing called an oreodont, which we're gonna go try to see if we can find some more of over here. Scientific renditions of oreodonts show them looking something like a camel crossed with a deer. And there were many, many types as well. Come on, oreodonts. <laughs> These little oreodonts. In other states, they were one of the most common, maybe the most common hoofed mammal for, gosh, 35 million years, maybe? Some of my Oriodont specialist friends might kill me because I don't know the exact dates. Um, but they were a group of plant-eating uh, mammals that they're gone. There's nothing, there's no descendants. Yet they were successful for a long time. Um, they're kind of diagnostic by their teeth. Oriodont means mountain tooth. So you can pretty much see, if you're used to them, you can look at a tooth and go, well, that's an Oriodont. They're cute and um, they also, you know, tell us that, well, they tell us they were here. Of course, the more we find, the more we'll know about the 
the ecology. I mean, the fossils here, it's just so scanty that even a tiny scrap, I mean, if we find a thing that's as big as a pinky nail today, that's a good day because it's just really, just kind of barren out here. But it's yeah, kind of why we come out and look, <laughs> except for these root casts, these are all over the place. With a small, soft brush, Gavin pushes away the dirt, searching for potential fossils. It's not exactly how it looks in Jurassic Park. No complete specimens here. How do you know if you're looking at something that's actually a potential fossil or a fossil versus a rock? I almost don't until I pick it up. I mean, that's a lot of the trick. There's a lot of rocks that'll also trick you because they will become eroded a certain way and you'll think it's a, ah, oh, it's a such and such and oh, it's a rock. <laughs> So, I don't know, probably 90% of what I pick up and look at is not a fossil, but I'll just sort of, it's worth it to check. Certain fossils have different characteristics. A lot of times, enamel, tooth enamel, for example, sometimes that will be a kind of a, a chocolate brown or even kind of a blue. And if it's blue, it really kind of sticks out and it's just kind of weird. You're like, why is there a blue thing? Oh, and then you want to pick it up because it might be a piece of enamel and then that might lead you to more stuff. And that's the hope, you know, you find a fossil and there's more in the hill still and you kind of can follow it in. But sometimes it's just a little piece of scrap. Scanning the ground, Gavin brushed a bit of dirt in the spot where fossils were found previously. We were hoping that we'd get more of the critter here. We have part of the palate, lower jaw. I think we've got a shin bone and some ankle bones and a little bit more. And it came from kind of this, you can kind of sort of see, this is the area that we sort of dug it out. Gotcha. And every time we come over, we try to find, you know, good okay. Lord, it'd be great if there's more in there. But. Gavin pokes and taps the ground, checking for soft spots and seeking those elusive blue fragments that just might be a bone shard. We get lucky today. The rock is neat to look at too, because you can see these kind of big pieces of ash that kind of make up this stuff. And you can kind of just imagine this, uh, this stuff just kind of coming in probably all as one, well, multiple events, but probably pretty violent and pretty fast. And anybody who was in here was just absolutely, what's the proper way to say SOL? I'm sure there's a, So I wouldn't probably just do this randomly anywhere. Right. Um, but I would be kind of looking around on the hills here to see if there's any more little bits of fossil. Okay. And this is also probably the closest to the Phoenix area vertebrate fossils that are not from the latest ice age to Phoenix. So there are things in Phoenix, like mammoths and things like that have been found from the late ice age. Oh, wow. When these fossils turn up, they're usually found by developers, but they don't always get reported. Unfortunately, they're not as well protected as human remains. So there's probably way, way more Ice Age fossil stuff that just was not collected because they were building something and the guy saw it and the boss said, you didn't see it, keep working. So, you know, but who knows? But yeah, Phoenix, I mean, <laughs> 
elephants walking around, giant camels walking around, only like 10,000 years ago. That's crazy. Yeah. And then you gotta go back here to about 20 million years, and this is about as close to the dinosaur, the non-avian dinosaur times as we have around the Phoenix area. of dinosaurs actually lived in Arizona? How can we tell when so few of their fossils survived? Well, we do have a few scant records that made it to today. The majority of Arizona's dinosaur fossils have been found in either the northern or southern part of the state, pretty much just away from Phoenix. The only spots where the right sorts of rocks that would potentially contain fossils are in southeastern Arizona. There might be some in extreme west Arizona, but they're very inaccessible. Part of our recent research with the Bureau of Land Management has been to kind of look at some areas to try to identify fossil resources on BLM lands. Gavin says that so far there hasn't been a hugely significant find like a T-Rex in our state. So T-Rex is an example of a animal that we don't have any evidence of here and that's because the particular time that t-rex was alive was one of the last dinosaurs one of the last non-avian I, I keep saying that because i want to pepper the world with the idea that birds are dinosaurs right and uh, birds survived um, so tyrannosaurus rex most people's favorite dinosaur a lot of little kids here dinosaur no evidence yet i would say from arizona but, you know, it, it, there's evidence of T-Rex in a lot of surrounding states. So T-Rex was undoubtedly here. It's just that those rocks from his time period, or her time period, are not preserved, really. And despite looking at some promising locations, many of the fossil discoveries are made by people who are not paleontologists. They're hunters, hikers, and adventurers exploring the backcountry. Even then, it can be iffy if they know what they found and if they even report it to the state. The fossils that we do know of from the Cretaceous period are from 10 to 20-ish million years before T-Rex was around. So we do have, from Southern Arizona, we do have Tyrannosaurus, but it's not T-Rex, it's too old for T-Rex. We have Ankylosaurs, these things. He points to a tattoo on his arm. My favorite type of dinosaur, uh, with the clubs on the tail. There's also another group that did not have clubs on their tail. We've got Hadrosaur, the duckbill dinosaurs, plant eaters, and that might be an answer for what's the most common dinosaur, at least from the Cretaceous. There is evidence of some of the big long-necked dinosaurs around, so Sonorosaurus, for example, mm. which is the, which is now the state dinosaur. That's also found from southern Arizona, and that is a looks like a fairly lightly built Brachiosaur, one of those really tall sauropods with the bump on its head, and that existed, I think that's about a hundred million years ago. So it's quite a bit older than the materials that we've been looking at. There's at least Probably I can think of three other long-necked dinosaur partial fossils, some of which are kind of still out in the middle of the desert waiting to be excavated. But 
just not a lot. We've had a lot of <laughs> just volcanoes and, and cala and crust being ripped apart. Um, more so than those places up kind of uh, like Montana and things like that, where they've had a lot more stasis since the time of their dinosaurs. Gotcha. Yeah. Suddenly, we stumble upon something. Here's a little bit of bone. Not much, but it's the biggest thing we found so far today. <laughs> yeah, look at that. But you can see how it's kind of got a little bit more color to it. It might be a piece of bone right here. It's a... Uh... I don't know what it is, but it's got like curvature on it. Gotcha. Which gives it a chance, a better chance to be identified as like maybe part of a limb or a knuckle or something like that. Sure. Feeling energized despite the growing heat, we search for more. That was a rock. That was a fossil. Okay. I just broke a thing that I thought, is this a stick or a fossil? And it's a fossil. So. What about this guy? That's a fossil. Ooh. That might have some anatomy too. Ooh. It's got a flat surface on top and I don't okay. think that's eroded. I think that's real. Ooh. And it's kind of circular. This might be... That might be like a knuckle right there. Do you mind if I give you these little things? Will I go get a baggie? Yeah, which I should I'll have brought. Them. Thank you so much. Sorry to No, you're fine. Put you to work. No, I'm happy to help. <laughs> In jogging back to where his backpack is, Gavin called out. You get a field number named after you too, because you found stuff. Oh nice. I found some blue-toned fossil pieces a little bigger than the tip of my pinky. And while not dinosaur bones, it was pretty amazing. And it gave me hope that I could still maybe do paleontology, if only as a volunteer. Okay, so comparing Hollywood to real life. What do paleontologists think of filmmakers' portrayal of dinosaurs? Well, despite the things that the movies get wrong, the Jurassic Park franchise has inspired generations of new paleontologists. And the errors in the movies are starting points for conversations about how amazing real dinosaurs are. Gavin has done several talks about what the Jurassic Park movies get right and wrong. It's just so fun and just to see everybody loving dinosaurs and not it was fun to talk about the things that are wrong in Jurassic Park. I love doing that. <laughs> but I take away something. I, I like will kill a kid's dream in one way and say Dilophosaurus didn't have a frill, okay? And they're like, oh. But Dilophosaurus was an Arizona dinosaur. And so that makes it cool. And it was way cooler than the stupid one in the movie. Dilophosaurus in real life was 20 feet long. With more layers than you can shake a trowel at, the wildlife of our state never fails to fascinate. And this includes our prehistoric critters. If you have more questions about Arizona's prehistoric past, or have a question about what makes Phoenix Phoenix, send us a note. Submit your questions to valley101 at azcentral.com. And if you liked this episode, consider sharing it with a friend. Also, rate and follow our show. And if you want to help us make more stories like this one, you can support this and all of our podcasts 
by subscribing to azcentral.com. I'm producer Kaylee Monahan. You'll catch me digging up dinosaurs. Until next time.